for. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, today is a very uh, bittersweet uh, moment uh, for the Refuge family. Um, our beloved international pastor, Brother Leafen, and his beautiful, wonderful family, uh, today is going to be their last Sunday with us uh, for, for at least a while. Uh, they'll be moving away. Uh, God has, has led them uh, to a, a new assignment. We'll get into that here uh, shortly, um, but you can, you can bank on this. This move is not made without a lot of seeking and a lot of praying. Uh, so um, we've put together something for this family that kind of recalls the last five years with us. Take a look at the screens with us, please. On August 10th, 2018, Leif and Kumar reached out online to Refuge Church. He told us his family would be moving from India to Walterboro, South Carolina. His wife, Lydia, would be joining Colleton County High School as a math teacher. The organization sponsoring Lydia's visa had already assigned them an apartment at Plantation Oaks in Walterboro. His wife, Lydia, would be traveling alone for the first time ever. She would be arriving here in August of 2018. Leafen and their two kids would not arrive until November 2018. Leafen was praying somebody could help his wife make this transition to a country and culture that would be brand new to them all. After dialoguing back and forth, Leafen gave us the contact number for his wife and let us know the day that she would arrive here in South Carolina. When Lydia arrived in Walterboro, she literally had nothing. Fortunately, some folks from our church were able to help Lydia get moved in to their new apartment. Furniture and some basic need items were donated to help them out. Refuge would later host a gathering for all new teachers that year at Colleton County Schools. All of these connections would later prove to be a God-ordained partnership. Three months later, Leafen, their son Sam, and daughter Sakshia would finally arrive from India, joining Lydia here in Walterboro, South Carolina. They all began attending Refuge Church along with several other new international teachers. Lydia and Leafen instantly started building relationships with other international teachers and their families who had just moved here and were all living at the same apartment complex. After seeing a clear need for fellowship with all of these families, Leafen and I discussed the possibility of starting an international community care group through Refuge Church, a group that would exist to provide a family away from family for many who had no relatives nearby. God has used them greatly to make great kingdom impact in so many lives. This group alone has ministered to families from countries like India, Kenya, Philippines, Jamaica, Cameroon, and Ghana, just to name a few. Beyond the International Community Care Group, Leafen became our international pastor and associate pastor. He has used his administrative skills and pastoral skills in so many ways. To help our men's Bible study, to coach and encourage our care group leaders, to minister to all our leadership and members, to preach many times on Sundays in my absence. Leafen, Lydia, Sam, and Sakshia have been such a blessing to so many of us over the past five years. Now, God is leading them to Fort Worth, Texas to serve the Lord. However, our partnership with them has only just begun. Moving forward, Leafen will still be working with us 
as we seek to put together yearly international mission trips. Our goal is to travel to every country God has connected with refuge. We hope to minister with these families to their families and beyond. We are so thankful for the Kumars and we hate to see them go, but we look forward to seeing what God will do through them next. They will always be a part of Refuge Church in some way, shape, or form. Leafen, Lydia, Sam, Sakshia, we love you, and we're always praying God's best for you. Amen, amen. Let's give them a hand and God a hand for what he's, what he's doing. Um, by the way, Asher, I could not, I could not, um, not realize that Asher was about two foot tall when y'all got here, and he is now six one. So a lot has changed, a lot has grown. You know, guys, I don't have to tell y'all. Y'all know that 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 y'all are truly family to us. You know, it's not. You know, sometimes we use the term treat people like they're family, but sometimes people are family, and it's not just because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we have grown to love y'all deeply, and um, and and we hope that uh, that you. Uh, feel that uh, in your lives. Um, I want to say to to each of you that um, that we understand that you didn't come to this point in your uh, transition, and if you want to say, of of to a new a new place of assignment and ministry, um, half-heartedly, um, or just because you wanted to uh, to to leave out of Walterboro. In fact, um, it, it, it's I think it should be noted this that um, they've been seeking God's will. For so long, and as, as, as much as even a couple weeks ago, they had no idea that this was finally going to be where they transitioned to uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. And so after the conclusion of this service, we're going to ask them to come up here for two reasons. Number one, we're going to have prayer over them. And then also, um, uh, you can catch up your hugs. You know, you, you're allowed to give them a one year's worth of hugs uh, before they leave. Um, this is not... Um, you know, goodbye forever. This is uh, see you later, and um, and so we're we're looking forward to what God's going to do. But but listen, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts um, for blessing us uh, with um, with your presence and the joy of getting to know your family. Uh, again, let's give them and God a good hand about what He's doing <clears throat> uh, today as we um, transition into this message. I feel like there's a lot that we just covered that can kind of be um, brought into this. You know, one thing that that um, uh, Leif and I share in common is uh, we understand that that we're not in this life, but so long, and we're not on this earth to do our will, but to seek God's will. And so, you know, when you're when you're trying to live eternally driven, um, you can't go by what you feel. And what you see and what you think much of the time. Instead, you, you walk by faith. And so we know that this decision that y'all have come to is, is, is um, a, a kingdom-minded one. If they'd have their rather, they, they, they wouldn't leave, even down to the, to the uh, uh, kids. You know, uh, they've made friends here and there. But as I told them, you, you're going to make more friends and you're going to still get to keep all the ones that you have here today. Uh, today, instead of me just uh, preaching uh, 12 messages in one, uh, God sort of consolidated things and was like, listen, Craig, uh, I need you to do a series of messages entitled Eternal 
driven. And so today's message, um, I'm going to share with you what I'm going to call a clear blueprint of what it means to live eternally driven. Before we get started, let's bow our heads and hearts in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, open our eyes that we might see what you want us to see. Open our hearts that we might receive what it is you want us to receive, Lord, and open our ears that we might, Lord, hear what you want us to hear. God, may we, may we know that, 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 Lord, you're always calling us to live for things that matter, not just in this moment, but, Lord, for all of eternity. God, I pray that you would guide in this message time. May, it, may I only communicate exactly what you want to communicate it. In Jesus' name, amen. I always kind of hate it when God takes the training wheels off of um, stuff that uh, I prepared. You know, I know you, you may, that may sound weird to you, but sometimes God will lead me to what he did this morning. And he's like, listen, son, I want you to get up. I want you to scratch this bit of notes. I want you to scratch that bit of notes. And, and I want you to just let me work through you in this message. And, and, and I'm one of those people, maybe you're wired differently. Uh, the more I feel prepared... Uh, the more settled I feel. But when I, when I feel like I don't have the controls, okay, I don't, um, I don't like that, okay? And especially if a bunch of people are, are, are counting on, on me on that. And so today I want you to, to know I'm just going to share with you bare bones of what it means to live eternally driven. If you've got your worship guide, please keep up with me. Please take notes. The first thing that you need to, to know and do if you're to live eternally driven in your life is you need to live with eternal perspective. You need to live with eternal perspective. To discover and to follow by faith God's eternal plans for your life, the plans that God made before he even made you. I want you to hear that part. God's eternal plans. He, he put those plans together before he even breathed you into existence. To, to be able to, to seek that plan You've got to have an eternal perspective. And you've, you've always, with anything, you have to have a starting point. The starting point is this. You need to open up God's eternal words. You know, it's been said that the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. Um, but it's not just about telling you what's to come, but, but, but how to live for what's to come. Listen, it doesn't just tell us some things about life. But the Bible tells us how to live our lives in a way that matters most. Not just in this life, but especially the next life to come. Look at Psalm 119.89. It says, Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. There's a lot of things in this world you can't bank on. Situations, relationships, feelings accomplishments, you, you name it. I mean, most things in this world uh, is very, very uncertain. But one thing you can take to the bank, as a preacher that I used to work with would say, one thing you can always be certain of is God's Word. God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what culture. It doesn't matter what generation. It doesn't matter how much times change now or times change later on. The, the awesome thing about picking up the Word of God is the moment that you pick up that Word, you can be sure that what it says, you can believe. That what it promises and God promises through it, you can take it to the bank. If you're going to try to live eternally driven, when most of us are used to spending most of our lives being um, self-driven or, or culturally driven, it's going to take putting in 
new habits. How many of you ever, you tried to start a new habit or you tried to break an old habit and you realize you can't just do that like that, can you? You've got you've to habitually do the things that is necessary to get yourself as positioned as possible to hear God's voice and to listen to God's voice. Look at Colossians 3.2. The Amplified Bible says, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. It's so easy for us, listen, to get swept up with the rest of the culture on living like everybody else. A lot of people, um, they like to claim, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not a crowd follower. Well, why is it oftentimes we wear the same things that the crowd wears, we do the same things the crowd does, and we, we, we value a lot of the things that the crowd values? Listen, oftentimes you need the Word of God to renew your mind and change your mind. Because until you, your mind is in tune to the things of God, and then things move from your head into your heart, your, your life won't be eternally driven. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Here's, here's something I've learned in my years of following the Lord, and that's this. You, you, when you follow the Lord and when you seek the Lord and, 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 and when you walk by faith, you can't expect everything to make sense. You can't expect everything to feel convenient. You can't expect everything to work, all, work in, in, in the way that you want it to work or be seen in the way that you want it to see. Plenty of times God leads us to do things that we can't see beyond the moment. We can't even understand the significance of the next step. But we know that God is telling us, hey, take this next right step. So you need to understand that the things of God are way over your head and my head. All we can say each day is, okay, Lord, if you want me to do this, I will do this. If you don't want me to do that, I won't do that. That is how you get to that point is to where you start going, hey, I want my life to be centered in on the Word of God. Because when the Word of God is leading you, then eternal values are leading you. So you have to have an eternal perspective. Every time we come together, everything that we're talking about from God's Word, it is to renew and to refocus or to remind or to encourage, sometimes all of those things, towards the things that are bigger than us and are beyond this life. But secondly, to live eternally driven, you need to live with eternal readiness. You need to live with eternal readiness. Now, I could have easily started at this one because it really is the first step to response to the eternal Word of God. I know a lot of you have heard this more than you want to hear, but, but I have great significance of why I bring this up. You know, recently, five men paid $250,000 per person to ride in that small submarine that you've, you've heard about that, that was, um, uh, it was an adventure put together in hopes of exploring the remains of the Titanic deep in the North Atlantic Ocean. And unfortunately, it appears, based on the explosion and the aftermath of that explosion, that none of these people made it out alive. But I think God wants to speak to us and reach into our, our um, uh, seeing beyond just a, a seeming tragedy. I think God wants to reach to us, and I think he wants us to take a closer look at who was on that small submarine. On board, we're not just any five men. 
but very rich men. One was age 61. I believe that was the pilot. He only had $25 million in the bank. Any of you would love to have $25 million in the bank? How many of you like to have $25 in the bank? Some of you are like, listen, what are you talking about with all those zeros? What about $25? But 61 years of age, $25 million. One man, he was age 48. He was my age. He was 48, and his 19-year-old son went with him just because it was Father's Day weekend, and he wanted to make his father um, happy. That guy, he only had $350 million in the bank. Some of you are going, hey, I don't got $35 in the bank. But then we moved further, and, and on board was a 58-year-old British businessman who was a billionaire. And then the oldest man on board, he was referred to as Mr. Titanic. He had, he had observed the remains as much as anybody ever had of the Titanic. He had spent much of his life um, researching it and learning more and more about it. And his net worth was only $1.5 billion. You say, why am I telling you about how much money these men have? Because I want you to hear this because this is something you need to realize. It does not matter how filthy rich you are, how much you've accomplished, how much you have chased. You cannot buy your way into eternity. You cannot buy your way into eternity. All of a sudden, nothing that you have matters. And listen, sometimes, I've learned this in my ministry, in order for you to make the most of this life, I have to kind of get you to the end of that life. I got I to gotta get you thinking with the end in mind. I want you to write that down. That's what eternal drivenness is. It's living with the end in mind. Okay? It's not waiting until you get to the end, but living with the end in mind. When I, when I first heard these men were, were missing underwater, and, and, and I saw everybody posting this and that about it, and I won't get into all of that, because then I might sound hillbillyish to y'all. But I wasn't thinking what other people were thinking. I wasn't sitting there going, well, how stupid are they? Okay, would I have done it? No. But there's a lot of things that we all do to stupid. Amen? Okay, when's the last time? I can't remember a day I've lived that I didn't do something stupid. That's hourly for me, about a minute. Some of you are like, amen, that guy, he does the same. I was thinking this earlier, actually. Some of y'all that I spoke with before service, I'm thinking, you know what, Craig, it's time you come up with some new jokes. You're killing these people. At least come with some fresh comedy. And, 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 and you know, oftentimes we, we do things and we say things that, that, that don't make any sense. And, 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 but sometimes we really, really need to look deeper at the greater issue here. Was the greater issue was that they were stupid or that they just had a lot of money or this or that? No. The greater issue is this. What happened to them after they drew their last breath in this life? Where did they go? Where did they go? I, I, I instantly, the moment I ever heard about it, I wasn't sitting there thinking of anything else in my heart other than I, I began praying in my heart for their souls because only, only God knew and only maybe their family knew where they stood in their faith. Because, again, you can have everything and then have nothing. You, listen to this. You can have everything this side of heaven and nothing on the other side except hell, except eternal, absolute torment. This is why Jesus says in Luke 9, 25, he said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, and loses or forfeits himself? 
Listen, out of the five men that lost their lives, I believe three were, were that it said, were affiliated with Christianity. That doesn't really mean a whole lot because everybody in the southeast I run into says they're Christian, and yet 90% don't live like they even ever heard of him. One was Jewish and one was Muslim. Listen, just like these men had no idea, zero idea, that they would get on this small submarine and that this thrill adventure would end up being their day of earthly departure and eternal transitioning, you don't know today when your time's coming. You don't know. I see people all the time that, that I rarely see things that are catastrophic in people's lives that they go, oh, I saw that coming. Listen, when you get on that highway and you're driving down the road, you know there's two lanes, you're, you're, you're assuming that nobody in the other lane is going to take you out. But that's, that's you assuming. People, people will drive out today, thought, man, you know what? I'm just going to the beach. I'm just going to the lake. I'm, I'm just getting out. And today will be the last day because on the trip there, it's going to be no more. And so it brings us to what is most urgent, and that's this. There is nothing more important than your soul. I want you to write that down. There is nothing more important than your soul. There's nothing more important around you than people's souls. Listen, the only way that we can be prepared for, for eternity is not through goodness and good works. It is not through church attendance. It is not through money in the bank. It is through Jesus Christ alone, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. John 17, 3 says, This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. The Bible's very clear. We will all, the moment that we, listen, just like death is an appointment, so is the judgment of God. We will stand before God, and those who know Jesus will get to go to heaven by grace through faith. Those who don't know Jesus, no matter how much they want to say, well, I wasn't as bad as this guy, or I was better than this lady, it's not about you being better. It's about you being covered in Jesus Christ in his shed blood on that cross. Romans 14, 11 through 12 says, For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. You know what's simply crazy to me? It's plenty of people say on one hand, they believe this, and they live like they're never going to die, and they live like it does not matter, that they're bigger than God. Listen, so help me. Every time I, I, I get up here before you, the reason why I, I still do it with a degree of nervousness is not because I'm nervous about preaching anymore, but because I want to make sure that I don't waste the moment and the minute that God gives me. I want to make sure that I do not just sit back and, and just kind of loaf through life and, and act like, well, it doesn't matter what we do today. Listen, it matters what you do today. Some of you, you, you need to understand that you've got family and friends. I want you to picture if it had been one of your friends or one of your family members who were on that submarine and they lost their life. Could you have said, hey, I did everything within my power to at least love and lift and lead them to Christ? Or would you not have a clue their, their spiritual condition? Listen, you got to care about these things. I don't know anything that, that, that makes us live more urgently, okay, than eternal things. Which brings me to this, to live 
eternally driven. You have to live with eternal values and eternal goals. You have to live with eternal values and eternal goals. All of those men I mentioned, they were not only very rich, but they were very accomplished. They were very adventurous. They were very educated. But most of the things that they were seeking and chasing weren't eternal. You know, I think it's, it's sad when I'm sitting here and I'm going to tell you that, that many and most of the several hundred funerals I preached, most of the funerals that I preached, when it really comes down to asking other people about that person's faith in, in, in Christ and, and, and their life for Christ, there is nothing to talk about. There is nothing to talk about. Um, Bubba loved college football. Bubba loved fishing. Bubba loved to do this. Bubba loved to do that. But, but I'm going to ask you, did Bubba know the Lord? Did Bubba, did Bubba do things that weren't just valuable to him, but valuable to him? There's a big difference. Listen, living eternally driven is not about your values. It's about his values becoming your values. You've heard me say this before, and, it, and it's been said for years. There are no U-Hauls behind the hearse. You are not taking any toys or material things or earthly um, achievements that you um, had here. You're not taking them there. Your, your soul's just transitioning. 1 Timothy 6, 7 puts it so clearly. It says, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Jesus tells us that, that while we're called to live temporarily in this world, listen, we're, we're called to live in this world. We are not called to live like this world. We are not called to have the same values of the world. Listen, if somebody starts always just seeing you as just another person living their way, spiritually sleepwalking through life, understand your life has gotten off course. When your life's not pointing them to him, your life is no longer about him. Your life is no longer being, being driven by eternal values. Listen, we all know, if you've been walking with the Lord for any season of time, we all know what it's like to feel on fire for the Lord, but also we know what it feels like to lose your fire. Listen to me. The moment that I lose my fire, I hope you no longer allow me to be your pastor. I didn't wake up today hoping God would work. I woke up today expecting God to work. Me and my mama, my mama will tell you, I talk about it all the time. I say, mama, I don't, I don't go to church to see whether or not God's going to show up. I go to church knowing that I prayed up, I'm seeking God's will, we're seeking God's will, and that we are letting God have the way. And that we're not, it's not about us elevating ourselves. It's not about refuge church even. It is about the kingdom of God prevailing. We're just his agents. Listen, us as individuals, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to reflect Christ. As believers in Jesus Christ, this church needs to reflect the values of God. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. 
These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this, is, this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does not do what pleases God, they're going to be off track. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. That leads me to think this. Maybe what God's telling us right there, if you're truly a Christ follower, people will know. People will know. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but they will be able to see the grace of God at work in your life. I don't know what you love to do in this life. I, listen, I love college football, and I love fishing, okay? I rarely, rarely, rarely watch TV, okay? You'll have to tell me what's on because I don't watch much of it. And, and, and some of that just has to do with the fact that I don't have a lot of time sometimes to, to, to go there because there's always another fish to fry and another um, uh, fire to, to put out. And then when those times are gone, again, I, I, there's certain things. We all got stuff we'd love to do, okay? But here, here's the issue. It's not... You, you need, everybody needs to have stuff that they love, okay? But we need to make sure that none of the things that we love get in the way of what should be our greatest love, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What, is, what does God tell us is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then he says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. Listen, our love for the Lord has to be the driving force of our life. Now listen, Scripture is very clear that we need to live with eternal values and eternal goals, things that transition from this life to the next, things that hold value not just in this life but in the next. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. There's three things that God's Word says are eternal outside of His Word. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. By the way, anything we do that's not driven by love, it's not, it's not being done right. By the way, I know a lot of Christians that way. Oh, man, they know, they know how to use the, the Bible like it's a sling bait, slapping, slapping people in the face with it. But they ain't got a lick of the love of Jesus in them. And I'm thinking, my God, you must be a Pharisee. I mean, again, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. There's three things God brought on my heart. You can write these down. You and I need to seek to, to build in our lives. First of all, driven by our faith in Christ, okay? You need to be driven by your faith in God and your faith in your Savior. Then you need to be aimed towards sharing the hope of Christ. Is your life a vessel that you have allowed God and you are allowing God to use to help somebody else find hope? I honestly believe this. If God didn't still need recruiters for heaven, he wouldn't leave us here. The reason why the moment that you gave your heart and life to Christ and the moment that I gave my heart and life to Christ, God didn't just say, okay, I'm going to beam you up. I'm going to beam you up right now. You're done. It's because the work's not done. He left you here for a little while to make sure that you don't live for yourself, but you live for him, and that other people who don't yet know what you know or haven't yet chose to believe what you believe will find Christ before it's too late. So you need to be driven by your faith in God and Christ. You need to aim towards sharing the hope of Christ, and then you need to be compelled by the love of God and God's love for people. By the way, if you say that you love God, but you don't genuinely love people, you and God got a problem. 
Because to love God, I want you to know this. Here's, here's where you simplify things for the values. To love God is to love the things God loves. To love God is to love the people that God loves. Well, God loves everybody, period. You got to love everybody, period. It's not, it's not a conditional love. It is not a judgmental love. It is a pure, pure love. Listen, to live with an eternal mindset, we must live with eternal goals. I'm not talking about, hey, you know what? I'd like to do this on a Sunday. But Monday through Sunday, I would like my life to be a, 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 an act of worship, a vessel that God uses. Philippians 3.14 in the Amplified Bible, it says, I press on towards the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I don't know what you're striving for, but I know this helps me. What I'm striving for is this. I want to get to the end of my life, and I want God to be able to say, not other people, but God to say, hey, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I love you to death, but I'm not working for you. I'm working for him, and I'm praying for you. You're not, you're, not, you're not to be accountable to me. You're to be accountable to him. You know, they, they say that, that um, uh, you know, what other people think about you, that's, that's your reputation. But what God knows about you, that's your integrity. What does God know in your heart? Is it your heart's goal to say, no matter what comes my way, I want to live my life to the fullest for the glory of God, with the values of God, with the goals of God? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26, it says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose with every step. Some people say, well, I can identify with that. There's a lot of people that run with purpose, but the problem is most people run with their purpose. And I want you to hear me. Listen, if you run with your purpose... There's not much to be gained from it except for absolute emptiness. When we we pour ourselves out into things that are meaningless, that are temporal, all they do is leave us empty. All they do is leave us empty. Listen, I've been around some of the people that I served with hospice. The people that were the wealthiest and had it all had nothing. There was no joy in the house. There was no peace. There was no hope. It was just because, again, you can have it all and not have what you need. What you need is, is to know that your life is in his hands and that your future is, is secure eternally in him. Listen, until you learn to, to live with eternal values and eternal goals and you truly let God be your sailboat, your sail, the wind beneath your wings, you will never feel satisfied. Listen, I, I, I'll go ahead and tell you this. I'm, I'm a person, I, I have pretty high standards for myself, but I fall so short of it, I can't even tell you. And so I get disappointed in it, okay? I have things I want to accomplish, you hear me? But it's not about what I want to accomplish. It's am I allowing God to do what God wants to do right now, today, tomorrow, and on moving forward? It's, it's not my job to do God's job, you hear me? My job is to follow God, to trust God, to lean on God, not to try to play God. I I spent years of my ministry time not meaning to, but oftentimes just trying to please people. And it's nothing wrong with loving people, but you, you, you get to that point where you're doing things because you don't want to get this person upset or that person upset. I, I love to walk in freedom. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 
You've had seasons where you didn't, you, you, you were focused more on being a people pleaser than a God pleaser. Listen, our eternal reward for those who seek God's eternal plans is greater than anything we'll ever get through accolades or accomplishments or through flatter from others. Which brings me to this fourth thing. You've got to live with eternal rewards in mind. To live eternally driven, you have to live with eternal rewards in mind. I understand what some people are going to say about this, that we should do what we do for God and not worry about reward. Well, just look at this as extra incentive, okay? It's kind of like whenever you look at somebody and you say, you know what? Oh, I see you're trying to bless me with something, but, but listen, I don't need nothing. You don't, you don't owe me nothing and this and that. And that's, that, that can be a whole different type of thing. But I want you to understand there's no one that will serve God and give God everything that God won't give you more than you ever gave up for him. I want you to hear that. You, you're, you're not giving up things for him. You're giving up things to him and then knowing that he's promised that if you seek to do his will and serve him, you will be rewarded, even if you don't feel like it in this life. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. I think that's the key piece we've got to remember. It's the Lord that we're serving. It's the Lord, it's the Lord that we're still here for. Matthew 5, 11 through 12, Jesus says, Bless, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and, and lie about you and, and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Now, maybe you've not walked into faith long enough to experience this, but I have when I say this. I've never followed God and not dealt with adversity. I've never um, walked closely with God and not dealt with unnecessary or seemingly feeling undeserved criticism. It's just part of it, okay? It's part of it. And after a while, you realize that just as Jesus was persecuted, if you follow Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. In fact, I want you to hear this. I think we're going to be reaching a day in time. It's already here, but it's coming more and more. So you'll remember that I said this, where Anybody who truly decides to follow Christ, I mean truly, genuinely, every step of the way, you are going to deal with persecution and adversity that you never thought possible. All because the, the, the followers of Jesus Christ are the minority. We are the minority if we choose to do that. But great is the reward that we will have in heaven. Listen, no matter what happens to us, no matter what people say about us, when we are living to please God, we can know that it's the right and the best decision we'll ever make. Listen, if you could um, be simply, um, uh, you know, trying to look for a definition of success, okay? I want to give you a definition of success. Someone who seeks to please God. That's the definition of success. Someone who seeks to please God. Did I do what God had me on earth to do? Am I going to finish the rest of my life seeking his will? 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10 says, So whether you're here in the body or, or away from the body, our goal is to please him. 
for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, I don't claim to understand all the things that God has for us. In fact, the scripture even says that, that um, God's put, put eternity in the heart of man and no one can fathom what God has done from beginning or end. But there's only two things that's going to matter when you reach the other side. Number one, did you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and Lord? It's not going to be any good works, as we said, or good reputation or anything else that we did to deserve heaven. It's believing in what Christ did, okay? But, but there is clearly in Scripture a, a greater rewards that we aren't fully aware of for those who truly surrender it all and those who maybe endure things that others weren't willing to do. When we're living with eternity in mind, when we're living to please God, we can know that God is going to reward us. Listen, sometimes you might do something and you feel like, uh, again, this is ministry, by the way, when I say this. For every 100 things I may do, I'm going to hear one thank you. Okay? I don't say that for pity. I'm just saying that to you. You experience that in your life. There's certain things you do that you feel like no one else is seeing, no one else is appreciating, and if they did, you haven't heard it. But as long as you know God appreciates it, you know that God is behind you, and God is going to reward you. Listen, sometimes the, the, the greatest thing that we are, are, are inspired by, okay, whenever, we've, whenever we're totally uninspired and discouraged is, okay, God, does this matter to you? God, are you pleased with me? Listen, when you can't please anybody else, you can please God. In fact, you can't please everybody else and please God. How about that? You can't please everybody else and please God. You you got to let God, listen, you got to let God be your commander-in-chief, as the Apostle Paul said. He said, don't get caught up in civilian affairs, but live to please your commander-in-chief. But last but not least, fifthly, to, to be eternal-driven, you need to live with Jesus' eternal-driven mindset. You need to live with Jesus' eternal-driven mindset. If there's anybody that lived eternal-driven, it was Jesus. When he lived on this, this earth in physical form for just 33 years, Jesus didn't live with an, uh, an earthly agenda, but an eternal-driven mindset. How can you call yourself a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ, and yet you're living like everybody else. Your values are the same. Your goals are the same. Your lifestyle is the same. Listen, we are called to lean in and, and follow Christ completely. Listen, this world is not our permanent home. That's one thing that can kind of help you. First of all, realize this. This life that you're in right now, this life that I'm in, is just a temporary assignment. Very temporary, actually. This is how fast it goes. You're done. Some of, some of you are going to remember that. You're going to be like, man, I remember when the pastor told me, I'm here today and then I'm gone tomorrow. That's all of us. I know you don't like to hear it. I don't like to hear it either, okay? This isn't an age thing, by the way, because God can snatch any of us, amen? But you need to know that this world is not your present home. That way you don't just hold on to this life. Don't just hold on to this life because you'll be disappointed. Don't hold on to the things of this life. You'll be disappointed. Don't hold on to just your hopes and dreams. You'll be disappointed. 
We are just here for a little while, and then we transition to our eternal home. But while we're here, we are called to serve the Lord. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. One thing I've found in, in, over the years is this. If a person wants to do something, they'll do it. Okay? If a person has a heart to do something, they'll do it. So what we do represents where our heart is. What we, what we look at as valued is, is dictated of where our heart is. What did we value? Listen, the only way you can live with eternal drivenness is, is to have this mindset of Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Instead, this is what Jesus did, God's own son. He humbled himself he took on the form of a servant. He surrendered everything and said, listen, down to my last drop of breath and breath itself, God, I want to do the will of the one who sent me. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, it says, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. This is extremely significant, by the way. What changes from an earthly life to an eternal driven life is this. Have you realized that it's not about you? I say that to me too. It's not about me. It is not about me. If God told me right now, hey, you're no longer able to be this pastor here. Okay. I still got my hope. I still got my purpose. Purpose is not a position. But purpose is, is knowing whose you are and who you are in Christ. And see, many people, they claim Jesus as their Savior, but they never make him their Lord, and therefore they are not eternally driven. You have to die to the old self, live to the new way of life. Verse 15 says, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. There should not be any such thing as a, as a selfish believer. Okay, there should be nothing that any of us want except God's best. That's one thing that, that, that brings unity, by the way. When the body of Christ is not about themselves, but about their Savior. It's not about their agenda, but His agenda. That's how we get there. That's how we no longer live for ourselves, but for Him. He says, instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Many professing believers in Christ, following Christ is a very casual thing. You say, well, what do I mean by casual? You do it when you feel like it. You do it when you want to do it. You do it how you want to do it. Well, I can promise you this. That's not the way I pastor. In fact, I can promise you this. The main reason why I am a pastor of a church plant and a, and a new church two times in a row is, is, is not because I like the work that's involved in it, but I refuse to go anywhere where I'm just a hired hand and doing what somebody wants doing just to maintain a plant. I told you before, I'm not that club member. I'm not that person that says, oh, man, let's just us four and no more get together and make each other feel better about each other. Listen, we are here for a purpose. We are here to not casually come into this community. Listen, we want to absolutely get into the heartbeat of it and start reaching some of these unchurched and lost people. How are we going to do that? they got to see it in us first. As the people don't care where you go to church until they find out who you serve, how you live, how you love. 
First Peter 1, 14 through 15 says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. I want to tell you where God got me back. Sometimes God's needing to tighten us up. He does that to me daily and weekly. I always tell you, the person delivering the message gets the most out of the message. God's word, Lord, if you start reading it, it'll get all up in your business, won't it? He says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. The moment that we're slipping, we're reeling away. Satan's casually taking us on. We think, we think oh, well, I'm just taking a spiritual break. When you take a spiritual break, you're no longer eternally driven. You've gotten caught up in the current and the crowd. It says, you didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. And I want to say something on that. It is not enough to just say that you're a better-looking Christian than other people. God is looking for absolute desire to be holy, to be rightful, to be genuine in all. Nobody needs to point something out in your life. If God's Word points it out, you need to take it to heart. You got to take it to heart. You gotta, you're either, you're either uh, on board or not. You know, God's Word tells us, in Revelation, I want to say it's like Revelation 3, 16 or 17, and it, and it talks about that, that God says, um, you know what, um, uh, I'd rather you either be cold or I'd rather you be hot. Well, because you're lukewarm, you make me want to vomit. You know what makes people want to vomit out there? People who say they love Jesus with their lips, and yet they go on every day to deny him with their lifestyles. That's the number one pistol and shots that I see got people wanting to take at the church. They're like, listen. So-and-so don't seem too real to me. Listen, let God prove them wrong. Let God take hold of you so much that where your family thought, my Lord, an alien came in and overtook you. You don't want to slip back. You don't, you don't want to go back to where you were. Listen, that's not life. And by the way, if you, if you have slipped back today, you can, you can get back. God will forgive you. God will reach into your situation. John 15, 16 says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. I called you to produce lasting fruit. I ask you right now, is your life living in such a way where it's, it's, it's producing lasting fruit? Is what you're doing with your time, talents, resources, is it making a difference that will outlive you? Are you living eternal driven? Would you bow your heads with me today? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I, I pray, Lord, that, that again, that, that you've gotten me out of your way. God, I, I pray that all listening would know, Lord, I'm not preaching at them, Lord. I'm simply conveying a message to them. God, in that same message, I'm, I'm having to take to heart. I'm having to be reminded of. I'm having to be renewed by. I'm having to, to, to allow myself to be refocused, God, and retuned to you. God, we're only here for a little while, and then we're on the other side in eternity. God, I pray there would not be one person listening to me right now. Lord, that does not decide before it's too late that they're going to give their heart and life to you, Jesus. I pray today they would admit their sins. They would believe in your son, Jesus Christ, who died for their sins and who overcame the grave and sin through the resurrection. I pray today they would, they would say, Jesus, please forgive me. 
Come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. God, I pray for others that, that, that may have felt the way that you were putting on my heart, and that is just to get refocused, just to get renewed, just to continue to rededicate and say, God, use my life to make an eternal difference. God, help us to know, Lord, that, that, that while we might not see everything we want to see in this life, that you will reward our faithfulness. And Lord, you will give us more than we could ever dream or imagine beyond this life as we seek you in this life. Lord, we give you all things on our heart right now. Make us into the, the believers and the church that you would have us to be. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. I always joke just, about not having a little girl. But um, this, I want, I want to say this. This family is family. Would a lot of you agree? This family is family. And so um, what I want all of you to do, from just from where you are right now, I want you to reach out those arms like this. Uh, Y'all can feel those all over the place um, as we have prayer for them. And then we're going to give you all the opportunity after we have this prayer to come on through and get all the hugs you want. Is it unlimited, Brother Levi? Unlimited hugs. Unbelievable. And he gives a good one. All right? Let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we, we lift this dear family up to you. God, we thank you for them. We thank you for what you've done in them, through them. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that they've been to us and so many others. And Lord, we pray for your continued blessings upon them. God, guide their every step. Lord, we know that they're only moving because you're moving them to move. And Lord, just as, Lord, they had no idea what they were going to do when they got here, but yet you worked everything out, Lord, for, for their good and for your glory. You're going to do the same thing this week as you did last week. And you're going to do the same thing in this year as you did the years before, Lord. You're just going to do things in a different way. God, you've got them on a journey, Lord. They, they, they will continue to learn through all of this, Lord, that your hand is always upon them. And your plans are always sure for them. God, we pray that, that as it is in heaven, that your will might continually be done through them. God, raise them up and their children to continue to be mighty warriors for you. We thank you for the love shared with them, God, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I'm getting first in the hug business. Y'all come on through. God bless you.